Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest tells us about a sound heart, key to a healthy body. Go ahead and say it with me. We're a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Today, we're going to talk about a sound heart, which is the key to a healthy body. And it's a message that's been stirring in my heart for some time. And I've ministered along these lines during the series I taught on spirit, soul, and body, and during other series that I've taught throughout the last couple of years. But the reason it keeps popping up, so to speak, is because when it comes to fighting sickness and disease, getting your mind right or having a sound heart is absolutely fundamental if you're going to secure the blessing, the redemptive blessing of healing in your life. You know, the devil doesn't give ground easily. He gives ground grudgingly, okay? I like the way that Joseph Prince put it. I heard him preaching yesterday, and he said, redemption was paid for, but sometimes it has to be fought for because the devil It's like a squatter and will not yield that ground unless you make him. Amen. And the key to doing that is renewing your mind to the word of God so that you have a sound heart and a sound heart leads to a healthy body. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So I want to begin with Proverbs 1430. This is a scripture that just keeps popping up in my spirit. And every time it does, and every time I study, and every time I meditate on this verse, the Lord shows me something different. Proverbs 14, verse 30 in the King James Version. A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. We're going to use this wonderful verse from Proverbs 14 as a launch point to delve a little deeper into why and how the health of our bodies is so closely tied to the health of our souls and why a healthy soul is the key to a healthy or a sound heart. Amen. Stay with me. I want to get into a little Greek and Hebrew. I'm not a Greek and Hebrew scholar, but I am smart enough to use a Greek and Hebrew lexicon. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's look at Proverbs 14.30. Let's break it down a little bit. A sound heart is the life of the flesh. For the first part of this message, we're going to concentrate on the first half, the good part. And then at the end of the message, we'll talk a little bit about the negative side of this scripture. A sound heart is the life of the flesh. That word there, sound, is the word marpe. It comes from the root word rafa. The same word that God used when he said in Exodus fifteen twenty six, I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am Yahweh Rapha. I am the Lord that brings healing to you. Amen. The word heart is the Hebrew word lave. And it's used broadly throughout the Old Testament and can mean the center of your being, your heart, your mind, your will your intellect. And so that's a perfect segue into a review of the three-part nature of man. And forgive me if this is a review for most of you, but for some people, this is new stuff. 
1 Thessalonians 5.23. If you want to turn to 1 Thessalonians 5.23, I'm reading from the King James Version. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Notice in this passage that it breaks man's being into three separate parts, spirit, soul, and body. And each of these three parts is described by a different Greek word. Three separate Greek words are used for spirit, soul, and body, and they are pneuma, which is translated spirit, which means breath or wind. And I like to think about it as that part of you that was breathed into you at conception by God. That part of you that was made just like him. That's the spirit of the pneuma. Then the soul is the Greek word suke. It is actually spelled psyche. We know that our word for psychology comes from this word suke, which looks like psyche when you read it. Suke literally means your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect. And then, of course, the body is the earth suit that your spirit and soul live in. Amen. And the Greek word there is soma. What's interesting about the Greek word soma is that if you put psycho and somo together, you get a word called psychosomatic. And there's such a thing called a psychosomatic illness, which is where your mind convinces your body that you're sick and it actually becomes sick. Amen. We want to stay away from psychosomatic things. Okay. We want the benefits of the spirit to flow through our mind, will, emotions, and intellect and into our body, which I'm going to get to later. All right. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Amen. So in Hebrews 4.12, we find out that once again, man is broken into three separate parts, spirit, soul, and body. And the Greek words used there for spirit and soul are the same ones you find in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Pneuma for spirit and suke for soul. The body is only indirectly referenced when it says, and the joints and the marrow. How many know that joints and marrow are part of the body? So Hebrews 4.12 is a confirming scripture in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So we know from 1 Thessalonians 5.23 and Hebrews 4.12 that we are indeed created by God as triune beings just like Him. He is Father, Son, Holy Ghost. We are spirit, soul, and body, yet we are one whole being. When Stephanie came in the back of the room, we didn't say, here comes Stephanie and her, and her spirit's not far behind. no. That's because Stephanie is spirit, soul, and body right now. They're all together, okay? They're not separated. Now, a lot of people teach that to believe in the Trinity is polytheism. Many gods, three gods. And I say, you don't need to understand yourself if that's what you believe. If we were made like God, spirit, soul, and body, yet we know we are one person, it makes it a little easier to understand how God can be three parts and yet one. Amen? 
because we're the same way. And we know that's true because if something were to happen to our physical body right now, we would go, our spirit and soul together would go to be in heaven with the Lord, right? If you're born again. And so we know we're more than one part because you can leave a part behind. Amen. Now we'll come back one day and retrieve that part. You know, the dead in Christ will rise first. We which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. So we are three parts. It's hard to argue that. And also, I want you to notice, among other things, there are two things we can learn from these two verses. First Thessalonians 523 and Hebrews 412. Number one, as I've already stated, the Bible clearly teaches that man is a three part being, a triune being. Yet we are one whole being. But also notice we know from these scriptures that the spirit and the soul are not the same thing as many teach. Let me tell you, if you teach your people that the spirit and the soul are the same thing, you're going to be very confused when it comes to a lot of Bible passages. But if you understand the way that I believe that the spirit and the soul together comprise the heart of man, it makes so much of the Bible so much easier to understand. Amen. Hallelujah. So what then is the heart of man? When the Bible speaks of the heart, I believe and teach, as I just said, as do many others, that the heart is your spirit and soul in combination. And we know from Hebrews 4.12, they're not only combined, but evidently they are intertwined so delicately and so intricately that it takes the word of God to tell where one ends and the other begins. Amen. This is a side note, a rabbit path, but we'll catch a few juicy rabbits if we go down the rabbit path. Notice it said the word of God is able to to cut between spirit and soul. Hebrews 412. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the next time you ask this question, when you hear something in your mind and you say to yourself, was that me or was that the Lord? How can you better answer that question? Was that spirit or soul? That's what you're asking. Was that spirit or soul? Well, if you know the word of God inside and out, that word of God will be able to tell you with no equivocation. That was just your soul. Take it easy, pal. God didn't say that. Or he'll say, right on, brother, that's from the spirit. But you have to know the word in order to allow the two-edged sword to discern whether it's soul or spirit. Amen. Won't charge you anything extra for that. Amen. Hallelujah. Even though I didn't plan on saying that. Hallelujah. That's a joke. It's okay to laugh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Peter refers to the spirit of man in his writings as the hidden man of the heart. This is why I know from Scripture that I'm right when I say the spirit and the soul combined together are the heart of man. Let's read in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4. This makes it so clear. But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, of great price. Amen. Did you hear that? I want to read that again. But let it be the hidden man of the heart 
in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. So what this verse says to me is that if you're born again, the hidden man of the heart is your incorruptible, immortal spirit, which is one part, but not the only part of your heart. Does everybody see that? Once you get that settled in your heart, pun intended, it makes much of the Bible so much easier to understand. So let's look again at the first half of Proverbs 14.30. A sound heart is the life of the flesh. Now we're going to look at life and flesh. The word life is the Hebrew word chai. I'll say it again. The Hebrew word chai. I was doing my research and I thought, wouldn't it be cool if somebody came up to you and said, hi, how are you doing? And you said, I'm doing fine. I'm full of chai. You know? But that's just the way my brain thinks. But chai, I can't even, you know, you got to have that Hebrew you know, and it's hard to muster, you know. Chai means life, living, or alive. So if you're full of life, you're full of chai. You say hi to everybody because you're full of chai. Hallelujah. I know, I'm working it. I'm working it. Then the word flesh is the Hebrew word basar, and it means of the body, of the body. So if we put all the things we've learned so far together and read the first part of that verse again, we could read it like this. A healing heart is the life of the body. A healing heart is the life of the body. You could even say a disease healing heart is the life of the body. Isn't that cool? You battling sickness and disease, there's a man on the inside of you that was created just like God in righteousness and true holiness. That's Ephesians 4.24. And I guarantee you there's not a speck of sickness and disease in that man. The challenge is to get what's in him to flow through your soul, to get through your mind, will, emotions, your intellect, and penetrate your body. Okay? The soul is like the bridge that connects the spirit to the body. If the soul thinks like the world thinks, then it's going to clog up whatever's in your spirit and it's not going to make it through to your body. But if the soul begins to think like the spirit, they become united. And two against one wins every time. If your spirit and soul ever get on the same page when it comes to sickness and disease, your body will have to respond to the word of the living God. It's just that simple. But you got to get your soul renewed. You got to get your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, all of that to line up with the dictates of God's word. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Leviticus 17:11 says that the life of the flesh, again there's that word, it's besar, is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. You know that if your body is drained of blood, you're not going to live very long, okay? Because the life of your flesh is in that blood. There's life-giving elements in the blood that cause you to remain alive. So just like a healthy physical heart pumps life-giving blood to all parts of your body, a healthy spiritual heart pumps the life of God to all parts of your body. And the key to a healthy spiritual heart is a healthy soul. 
Amen. Everybody with me? I know this is fundamental, but sometimes I think we gloss over things because we say, oh, I already know that. Well, are you still sick? Yeah. Well, you don't know it as well as you think you do, you know, because it hasn't manifested in your body. Listen, there's no condemnation because I still got some symptoms I'm battling right now. But you know what? I'm battling them. I'm speaking to them. The other day I said, you know, I've been healed by the stripes of Jesus. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, he dwells in me. Therefore, any symptoms of a disease I've been healed of are not welcome in my home. You're not welcome in this temple because I've been redeemed from that. Okay? You name the disease and the accompanying symptoms. You could say, I've been redeemed of this disease. Therefore, the symptoms have no right to stay in my temple. Get out of my temple in the name of Jesus. There shall no evil befall thee, the psalmist said. Neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling. That's not just talking about your physical house. That's talking about the earth suit that you live in. Hallelujah. You know, you go into space, you have to have a space suit to live. On the earth, you got to have an earth suit to live. you got to have a place for your spirit and soul to reside, and that's your body, your earth suit. Amen. And anything, I've been saying this lately, ran across the scripture that said, anything that's not planted by the Lord will be uprooted by my heavenly Father. That's what Jesus said. So anything in my body that wasn't put there by God will be uprooted by my heavenly Father. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes you got to get militant. You just, you know, put your foot down. Hallelujah. Yeah, you know what, how they say that in Spanish? She, she said, enough is enough. Basta. Basta. Enough. I've had enough. Get out in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You know, the devil knows when you mean business or when you're just pussyfooting around. If you pussyfooting around and you talk to him kindly, would you please leave my body because Jesus saved me from my sins and also healed my body? He's just going to laugh at you. But if you put your foot down and say, you are not welcome here. You have no right to be here because I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. And that redemption includes my physical healing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Somebody here needs to hear this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Third John 2. We all know this, but we don't pay attention to it. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. That's where we end right there. Woo, glory, I receive that. We don't read the rest of the verse. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. That's that same word there, suke. It means your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect. They have to prosper too for your body to prosper and be in health. Amen. For your body to be in health, your soul has to be in health also. Amen. So how do you build and maintain a healthy, prosperous soul? The answer, which we've already alluded to, is you have to renew your mind to the Word of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. These are all familiar scriptures, but again, we read them, but we don't apply them to our lives. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, 
but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Notice, if you haven't already figured this out already, notice that the only part of your three-part being that is not mentioned in this passage is your spirit. It mentions that you need to present your body a living sacrifice and that you need to renew your mind. But it says nothing about the spirit. Why is that? You need to exercise control of your mind and your body, but you don't need to do that with your spirit because your spirit is made like God. If you're born again, your spirit is already perfect. Ephesians 4:24 says, you put on the new man, which is created after Christ in true righteousness and holiness. As hard as it is to get our arms around that, there's a man or a woman on the inside of us that is righteous and holy. Always wants to do the right thing. Always wants to walk in love. Always wants to read his Bible. Always wants to worship God. Always wants to do things that promote the gospel. There's a man or a woman living on the inside of you that's always ready. You got to convince the middleman to engage and be in agreement with him so that you can dominate your body. Otherwise, if your soul and your body are hooked up, they're going to do whatever the flesh wants to do. And I can tell you right now, the Bible says those that are in the flesh cannot please God. You've got to live and walk in the spirit. Amen. The only way to do that is renew your mind to the word of God. And I and I think about it like a bridge. The soul is the bridge between the spirit and the body. And if you line up your thinking with the word of God, that bridge will allow life giving forces to come out of your spirit through your soul and into your body. It's just that simple. But if you're clogged up with the thoughts of the world and you watching. You know, news programs 24-7. My mom, bless her heart. I love her. You know, she's 84 years old. She lives in Raleigh. And she's got on CNN 24-7 on her big screen TV. Okay. Now, listen, I'm not playing politics here. I would say the same thing if it was Fox News. Because whether you listen to CNN or Fox News, if you listen to it 24-7, you're going to be depressed. You're going to be mad at somebody. Amen. You know, don't do that to yourself. Amen. Don't do that. It'll weigh you down. And so when you try to believe God for your healing, all you're seeing is headlines. You know, like I said, if you dwell on all these things that are happening in the world. They will weigh you down. Even talk radio. I I just have to listen to it in little spurts, because if you listen to that all the time, it's going to weigh you down. Okay, listen, when I'm in the car by myself, there's either worship coming out of that thing, teaching, or I'm praying in tongues. I'm praying in the spirit, driving down the road. I told you before, we were living in Louisiana, and I was flying for the Air Force Reserve. And all my fly buddies, you know, driving up and down Barksdale Highway, which is on the way to the base, several of my friends on several occasions drove by me while I was praying in the spirit at the wheel, you know? And they say things to me like, hey, Scott, I drove by you, man, this morning on the way into the main gate, and you was cussing up a storm. <laughs> I said, no, I wasn't cussing. Well, what were you doing? Your mouth was moving awful fast. I said, I was praying in the spirit. What does that mean? I was praying in tongues. Usually at that point, they walk away. I, said, I don't want to hear nothing about that. You know, that's making me uncomfortable. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. So my point is, don't weigh yourself down with the things of the world. You know, watch six hours of reality TV a night, five minutes in your devotional, and you wonder why your healing won't manifest. Come on now. Come on. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Got to get your mind right. And I mean that in a, in a good way. Hallelujah. A sound heart is a united heart. This is a scripture that I've never heard anybody else preach on. Doesn't mean that they haven't. I just haven't heard it. But it really means a lot to me. And the Lord gave me several years ago tremendous revelation concerning this, this passage of this scripture. Psalm 86, verse 11 says, Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I remember one day I had read that verse a hundred times, and I read it one time, and the Lord said, What does it mean to unite your heart? I was like, Lord, I don't have a clue. He said, Well, study it out, and I'll show you. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart. That is the Hebrew word lavav, it's the center of your being. Unite the center of your being. Unite the center of my being to fear thy name. So this is a good time to point something out that some of you may have thought of already. I'm going to give you an Old Testament interpretation. When Adam sinned, his spirit died and became separated from God. And he passed that spiritual death to all of mankind. In other words, Old Testament saints... And people who aren't born again, the only way that they can relate to God is through the soulish realm, the mind, will, the emotions, the intellect. And if you stay in that realm, you're really never going to understand God because some things supersede the natural mind. When an Old Testament saint read this verse, he would read it with this understanding. Unite my heart, Lord, to fear thy name. Keep me from being double-minded concerning the ways and the promises of God. Let there be unity of thought in my mind. In other words, the only thing he could use to relate to God with was his mind. Okay? So if he was double-minded in any way, then he's lost his only way of understanding God. But thank God we live in the New Testament. Amen? We got a different way of looking at that verse. Remember your spirit was made perfect like God. It's, I know it's hard, you know, because we know us and we know all our faults, okay? I didn't say you were perfect in all three parts of your being. I said the inside of you is perfect. The challenge is to get that perfectness to work its way into your soul and your body. And that's a lifelong process, believe me. I've been at it a while. So, for the New Testament saint, this scripture takes on a whole new meaning and a wonderful one at that. The New Testament saint has been born again, and as I said, according to Ephesians 4.24, has a brand new spirit living on the inside. A man that's just like Jesus, just like God, in righteousness and true holiness. So we've got an edge that the old timers didn't have, amen? We look at that scripture in an entirely different way, and we can adapt it to incorporate the reality of, of the new birth. We can make this confession as a fulfillment of the longing that was prophesied by King David when he wrote Psalm 86. Now, I've written this down. I can't say it any better than I can read it. So I'm going to read you this confession that I came up with last night. 
I will walk in thy ways and walk on thy truth because my spirit and my soul will be united to fear thy name. I will renew my mind and my intellect to God's way of thinking. I will submit my will and control my emotions so that they line up with the truths of God's word. And the health that is in my spirit will be transmitted through my soul and into my body through the vehicle of the word of the living God. When it comes to sickness and disease, my spirit and my soul are united. They're on the same page and my body has to respond with strength, vigor, healing and restoration. Amen. Feel free to copy that when you listen to the podcast and use that as a confession over yourself. I'm going to use it. Holy Spirit gave it to me. I'm going to use it. Now, now we need to look at the negative side of the equation. An unsound heart yields an unhealthy body. It pains me to talk about this, but I have to. So let's begin by rereading our launch point scripture. That's Proverbs 1430. And consider the negative side of all this. A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. That word there, envy, is the Hebrew word kinah. It means extreme jealousy or envy of anyone or anything for any reason, for any length of time. Here's what it produces. Rottenness in your bones beyond the fact that there are actually bone diseases that that could be referring to think about it in broader terms your bones form the skeleton which are the frame of the house that you live in call it the foundation of your whole body is your skeletal system it keeps everything in place when you allow envy or jealousy to overtake your mind your will your emotions your intellect it will affect your body in a negative way. It'll come against the very foundation of your body. It'll even infect your bones. So if there's anybody in here, you've been harboring envy or jealousy over anyone or anything for any length of time, it's time to let that go. It will produce negative consequences in your body. Let it go. Release it. Okay? We've all got that. We've all, listen, we all are tempted to compare ourselves with other people and wish we could be like so-and-so or wish I could do that like they do. You know, we've all been there, but don't go there. You're a unique human being with unique qualities and skills and gifts that God has placed in you. You're the only you on the planet, so be the best you that you can be. That's all God asks of you. Don't compare yourself with other people. Proverbs 15, 13 says, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. That word there is ruach for spirit. Now, ruach is used widely throughout the Old Testament to refer to the spirit, to breath, to wind, but also to the mind. It is my belief that in this case, it's referring to your mind. Okay? A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the mind, your mental capacity to reason is broken. Okay. All right. Read on Proverbs seventeen twenty two. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth a bone. There's that same phrase, broken spirit. Okay. So sorrow of the heart produces a broken spirit, 
a disabled mind, and I believe it produces depression in your life. When you start entertaining thoughts that are not factual in basis, they're just scenarios. I mean, I read a book by Creflo Dollar about fear and anxiety and depression. And he said in his uh, counseling sessions over many years, he found out that a lot of women especially become depressed because they entertain scenarios in their mind, and 98% of them have zero chance of ever coming to pass. In other words, it's just a vain imagination that the devil has planted in your mind to bring you down, to keep you from being the man or the woman that God's called you to be. Don't allow depression to take hold like that. Just don't, don't do it. I know, it, Brother Scott, it's easier said than done. I know that. I know that. Listen, just make up your mind. You're going you're gonna to feed your mind the word of the living God, and you're going to drive depression out. Okay, real quick testimony. Listen, I share this because I'm not a person prone to depression. Never have been. I've always been even keeled most of my life. And my kids will tell you. I mean, all hell can be breaking loose, and they'll all come to Dad, and Dad will say, everything's going to be all right. That's just the kind of person I am. So there's two times in my life that I suffered great depression, and once when I was a sophomore at NC State. Don't even want to go into that. But also, uh, when I was with the Air Force Reserve in 19. 19- 97, there was a scenario where I kind of got crossways with my commander and all the favor that I had before just vanished and I let it get to me and I let it depress me and it got so bad after two or three weeks, my wife said to me, what is the matter with you? This is not you. You've got to break out of this. You can't let yourself stay like this. The the kids are looking to you for leadership. You're the one that's always even keeled. Don't do this to us. They were looking to me for leadership, and I was steeped in the depths of depression because of this thing. And I remember I knew to pray in the Spirit. I was praying in the Spirit, and I was in the shower one morning. I was praying in the Spirit, and I heard the word of the Lord speak to me. Thank God for praying in tongues and interpretation of tongues. The Lord said to me, Cast off the darkness and put on the light. Those words. I mean, it was on the inside, but listen, how many know there is an inward audible voice that is so loud? It's not the still small voice. We all hear that from time to time. This was the inward audible voice. And I heard the Lord say to me in no uncertain terms, he said it with authority. Cast off the darkness and put on the light. So. You know, I was familiar that there was a scripture in Romans somewhere that used that phrase. So I looked it up. It's Romans 13, 12. And it says, the night is far spent and the day is at hand. Therefore, cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. In other words, he was saying to me, you have put up with this long enough. You need to stand up and fight. Cast off this dark spirit and put on the armor of light. And that's another point I want to make. If you indulge the flesh long enough, listen, all bondages, I believe, start in the flesh. But if you indulge the flesh long enough, you open the door to demonic oppression. So that's what I did. I indulged my flesh. I had a pity party. The problem with the pity party is the only one that shows up is you. And I was there and I beat myself up for the mistakes that I made and the situation that I was in. 
and the complete loss of favor, and I just drove myself into the dirt, and I opened the door to demonic oppression, and I didn't even know it until the Lord told me in the shower one morning, you're going to have to cast off this dark spirit and put on the light. That night, about 2 o'clock in the morning, everything happens to me at 2 o'clock in the morning. I told the Lord one time, I am available at other times of the day. But, you know, in the still of the night, the Lord can get things to you that he can't in the busyness of the day. So I opened my eyes. Just I just was woken from a dead sleep, opened my eyes, and I was in the spirit. And I looked at the foot of the bed, the far wall in our bedroom at our house in Meadow Sweet Lane there in Bossier City. And uh, there was a dark, swirling whirlwind. It was kind of upside down. It was like a dust devil upside down, swirling, just black and dark and evil looking. And again, I heard the voice of the Lord. He said, how long are you going to put up with that? I said, not another second, Lord. I'm dealing with it right now. I put my finger in that thing's face. And I said, in the name of Jesus, you foul spirit of depression and darkness. Get out of my life and my house now in Jesus name. And then I came out of the spirit. And I wish I could tell you that from that point on, it was tiptoe through the tulips. No, I still had to work it out in the flesh. But you know what? The backbone of that thing was broken. The spirit of depression was broken. And if I did my part and started to renew my mind to the word of God, I would walk myself out. And I did over a period of about two or three weeks. I walked myself out and I'm completely free. I've never been depressed a day since in my life. That was over 20 years ago. Listen, don't let that happen to you. Stand up for yourself. Listen, if you're so depressed, you can't handle it by yourself. Listen, that's a different deal. Come see me. We'll get you some help. We'll stand with you. But we're not going to leave you in that state. Because that is not of God. That is not of God. And kind of the whole point of that story is if you allow depression to come into your life, what do we read? A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. It has been established for decades that there's a direct link between clinical depression in women and increased rates of osteoporosis. In other words, the more depressed you get, the more brittle your bones get. It only took modern science 3,000 years to catch up with the Bible. Amen? So don't let yourself stay in depression because it will produce negative effects in your body. God wants you well and He wants you healed. And sometimes the path to your healing is getting your heart mended first. Didn't Jesus say, I come to mend the broken hearts? I come to fix your broken heart. I heard the testimony of Joan Hunter. She was here at the river just about a week ago. She is the daughter of Charles and Francis Hunter, who really imparted into my life. And she was sharing how that she was divorced, and it was a bad divorce. Her husband left her for another man. And two days after the divorce was final, she came down with breast cancer. So she's laying there on the slab as they're, you know, examining her. And the doctors, I think the story goes, the doctors had left her alone for a second and she just laid there weeping. And she told the Lord, I know my body needs to be healed. But the first priority that I have is, Lord, 
you need to mend my broken heart. At that moment, the Lord began to heal her broken heart. And she was able to release her husband and forgive her husband and go on about her business and go on and return to her calling as a minister of God. And the next time she went in for a checkup, guess what they didn't find? They didn't find any cancer in her breast because the key to her healthy body was a healthy heart, a healthy soul. Once that heart was mended, then the body followed suit. Amen. What a wonderful picture of the way it works. That's what I've been trying to say all morning. You know, your soul is the middleman, the bridge between what's in your spirit and what needs to be in your body. Renew your mind to the word of God and allow your soul to be a bridge so that the healing properties of your spirit come through your soul and into your body. Amen. Amen. I had a lot more, but for time's sake, we're going to wrap it up there. Amen. Listen, be a meditator of the word of God. Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 23. I highly recommend that you memorize that and use that as your launch point for meditating on the word of God. It says, if you do, if you do that, then the word will be like medicine to your flesh. It'll produce healing in your body. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message, A Sound Heart, Key to a Healthy Body. If you would like to hear more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. <laughs>